eternal, righteous, and invisible Father in heaven. Thank you, Lord, for giving us the privilege of life. We are very grateful and we do not take it for granted at all. Neither do we take for granted the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat, and the security and protection which we enjoy with the relative peace that comes with it. Dear Father, we worship you and we say thank you. And the best way we want to show our gratitude to you is that we want to be representatives of you on this earth. We want your will to be done through us. Therefore, we pray that as we fellowship with you now, you will grant to every one of us the gift of your Holy Spirit. Grant us wisdom. Grant us understanding. Help us to rightly divide the word of truth. Make us to become more like our Savior, Jesus Christ. Consecrate me to your service and put your own words in my mouth for the blessing of your children. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. Conflict and Courage, September 26. I must decrease. That is why my happiness is now complete. He must grow greater and greater, and I less and less. John chapter 3, verse 29 and 30. In every stage of this earth's history, God has had his agencies to carry forward his work. John the Baptist had a special work for which he was born and to which he was appointed, the work of preparing the way of the Lord. When, after Christ's ministry began, the disciples of John came to him with the complaint that all men were following the new teacher. John showed how clearly he understood his relation to the Messiah and how gladly he welcomed the one for whom he had prepared the way. John had been called to lead out as a reformer. Because of this, his disciples were in danger of fixing their attention upon him and losing sight of the fact that he was only an instrument through which God had wrought. But the work of John was not sufficient to lay the foundation of the Christian church. When he had fulfilled his mission, another work was to be done, which his testimony could not accomplish. His disciples did not understand this. When they saw Christ coming in to take the work, they were jealous and dissatisfied. The same danger still exists. God calls a man to do a certain work, and when he has carried it as far as he is qualified to take it, the Lord brings in others to carry it still farther. But like John's disciples, many feel that the success of the work depends on the first laborer. Attention is fixed upon the human instead of the divine. Jealousy comes in, and the work of God is marred. The one thus unduly honored is tempted to cherish self-confidence. He does not realize his dependence on God. The people are taught to rely on man for guidance and are led away from God. 
the work of God is not to bear the image and superscription of man. From time to time, the Lord will bring in different agencies through whom his purpose can be accomplished, can best be accomplished. Happy are they who are willing for self to be humbled, saying with John the Baptist, He must increase, but I must decrease. Amen. The title of our devotion today is I Must Decrease, continuing from where we left off, looking at how John was ready to step aside and I would still like to remind us to be ready to step aside. Let self step aside so that Christ will come in and you step aside so that Christ may come into the life of those under your influence. Do not push your opinions and your ideas on people, but let the truth come into the lives of the people. Permit it. Allow it. Parents, allow the truth into the lives of your children. Pastors and ministers, allow the truth to come to your members and don't block it. Step aside so that it can come and step aside so that it can come into your own life. Because this is the reason why many do not allow it into the lives of others. They have not stepped aside in their own life. Self has not stepped aside and that's why they too cannot step aside for others to receive that truth. Now that John the Baptist was ready to step aside, he was tempted by the jealousy of his own disciples. I'll read it now from the book of John chapter 3 from verse 22. It says, After these things came Jesus and his disciples into the land of Judea, and he tarried with them and baptized. So after Jesus, John the Baptist had pointed his disciples and the people who trusted in him, he told them, Behold the Lamb, this is him, Jesus of Nazareth. And the people said to follow him. And Jesus started to baptize. It says in John 3 verse 23 now, And John was baptizing in Anon near to Salim because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. Let that be a lesson just by the way. Baptism is not done in a place where there is not much water because baptism has to be done by immersion and not just sprinkling, not pouring water on someone's head. You have to go into the water and the person goes in once and comes out just, just by the way. So John was also baptizing in Anon. In verse 24 it says, For John was not yet cast into prison. Then there arose a question between some of, the, some of John's disciples and the Jews about purifying. And they came unto John and said unto him, Rabbi, he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold, the same baptizest, and all men come to him. John answered and said, A man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. Ye yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but that I am sent before him. He that hath the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom, which standeth and heareth him, rejoiceth greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This my joy therefore is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He that cometh from above is above all. He that is of the earth is earthly, and speaketh of the earth. He that cometh from heaven is above all. And what he hath seen and heard, that he testifieth, and no man receiveth his testimony. He that had received his testimony had set it to had set to his seal that God is true. For he whom God had sent speaketh the words of God, for God giveth not the Spirit by measure unto him. 
The Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hand. Amen. I'll stop here in the words of John. So, what really happened here is like what we read in the devotion that the disciples of John were jealous. They thought and they wanted it to be only John who gets the attention. That's John the Baptist. They wanted only John the Baptist to be the one doing the baptism. And not only that, it was apparent that Jesus was now having more popularity and more likes and more follows than John the Baptist. How do you feel if it were you? Do you compare yourselves? Because that's the lesson we have today. Apart from stepping aside that Christ may come in, we must have that spirit of self-abnegation towards our fellow men, not just Christ now. We must be careful not to put our trust in men or to make people put their trust in us. We must be willing to decrease so that others, not just Christ, but others may increase. And this is what will make us truly great. We must learn to humble ourselves so that others may be lifted up for the sake of the gospel. We must not feel that everything must be centered around us and disparage the work of others for fear that they will have more influence over the people than ourselves. This is exactly what the high priests did to Jesus. They were not willing to decrease so that Christ may increase. They were in competition with him. If their sole aim for ministry was for the glory of God and the benefit of the people, to see the people turned to righteousness and away from their sins, they would have had no problem with Jesus because he was doing the work. But this was not their aim. Do you remember the story of Jeroboam? Yes, like Jeroboam, it was not about God, it was about consolidating power under themselves and being the center of influence. They must be the ones in power and in charge of anything spiritual. It doesn't matter what Jesus was preaching. It doesn't matter the great benefit that people were deriving from association with Jesus. The healing of the sick and the wonderful miracles performed was only a pain to the high priests. They didn't care that the sufferings of the people were being relieved. What was their real pain? Their pain was this. Jesus did not acknowledge them or seek their permission before doing the work. They would be content if Jesus at least gave the impression to the people that he was under them. They failed where John the Baptist excelled. In the book of Mark chapter 9 verse 38 to 41, this is how it is put. It says, And John answered him, saying, this is, this is, In the book of Mark chapter 9 verse 38 to 41, we see an incident where John the Beloved now, John the Beloved, not John the Baptist, asked Jesus a question about stopping somebody else's ministry while Jesus was also ministering because the person also was getting attention. Now look at how it happened here. It says, And John answered him, saying, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and he followeth not us, and we forbade him because he followeth not us. But Jesus said, Forbid him not, for there is no man which shall do a miracle in my name that can lightly speak evil of me. For he that is not against us is on our part. For whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because ye belong to Christ, verily I say unto you, he shall not lose his reward. Hmm. So how did Jesus respond when it was brought to his attention that someone was doing the work and was also getting a following? So people were coming to this man that John, John the Beloved was referring to. As the disciple of Jesus, he he John was saying, This man is getting attention. We stopped him. He's not supposed to be getting the attention. All attention should be to you alone, Jesus Christ. And Jesus said, No. 
Jesus did not act shocked and he did not commend John for stopping someone else's ministry. Instead, he corrected John's actions. Had Jesus supported John, he would have been justifying the treatment he received from the Pharisees and Sadducees. If we also disparage other men's works and we have nothing against them and cannot see about them that they are teaching error, then we are being like the Pharisees. Of John the Baptist, we read the following in the book Conflict and Courage, page 274, paragraph 3. It says, Though John's mission seemed about to close, it was still possible for him to hinder the work of Christ. If he had sympathized with himself and expressed grief or disappointment at being superseded, he would have sown the seeds of dissension, would have encouraged envy and jealousy, and would seriously have impeded the progress of the gospel. End of quote. Imagine that. John actually had the power to stop, or let me just say stop now. He, John had the power to regress the ministry of Jesus. He had the power to reduce Jesus' influence. But what did he do? He passed his test. He, he passed where Jeroboam failed and Basha also. Where Jeroboam failed and caused the ruin of all Israel, John the Baptist excelled. John the Baptist, if he had a personal agenda and wanted people to be drawn to him, and not the truth now, but to him, he would have spoken in such a way as to cast a shadow on the ministry of Christ and hinder its progress. But like that wonderful man, Jonathan, he was so absorbed in the glory of Israel that he was ready to step aside for the root and offspring of David so that the work could be accomplished. He was content to sit to take the second place so that someone who is higher than him could do the work. He was ready to step aside and he said, I must decrease so that Christ would increase. And he pointed people to Christ. He made it clear that he was not the light but was only pointing people to the light. Now, my brothers and sisters, let us bring this home. We have many ministries around us and churches. Are we in a competition? Let us look at the example of John and Jesus, and also Jesus and this man who John the Beloved pointed to his attention. How did Jesus respond? Even Jesus, the Lord of all, when he was around, did not stop another person. Frequently, we have seen how various churches and denominations are against one another and competing for attention. This shows that they are not preaching Christ. If they were, they would not have issues with their members attending other churches. If they were teaching error, let's say a church was teaching error, this would have been a noble work to stop people from following error. You can say, okay, don't follow this person, not because he has more popularity, but they are teaching error. But many times within churches, we see a different spirit from that of John the Baptist. Ministries also come one against one another, not because they find error among one another, but because one feels that they are to be the center of influence and must be the one who controls others. But if people were interested in the truth, they would step aside and allow it to be allow those other ministries to increase while they decrease so that God may be glorified. I want to read something about a certain man called Brother Shyman. He was once in the place of Jesus, the church in the place of John the Baptist, because the church had more influence than him and they had the opportunity that John had. They could make or mar this Brother Shyman's influence 
he, like Jesus, began a work and without John's permission was drawing a little bit of a crowd to himself, not because of him but because of the truth. Now this is what the spirit of prophecy has to say about this, reading from Spalding and Megan, page 194, paragraph 1 and downward. It's an incident that happened long ago and she wrote, I am greatly troubled in behalf of Brother Shyman, whom I know the Lord loves. God will be his friend and helper and his exceeding great reward. The Lord presented the situation before me. I was shown Brother Shyman in great sorrow, suffering from criticisms of those who had done nothing to build up his work. I immediately wrote a letter of encouragement to Brother Shyman, and I wrote a letter to you also, that's to the church now and thought I had sent it, but I find that I did not. I will now write a little more to send with it. God is displeased with the spirit you have manifested. Your insinuations and criticisms are, un are most unbecoming. When you ought to be a teacher, you have need that won't teach you. Do you know that you are criticizing the work of a man who has been visited by the angels of the Lord? Who has sent you to a field where a good work is in progress to show your zeal by tearing it in pieces if this is working in the regular lines it is high time that we worked in irregular lines now i want to remind us of the following words from conflict and courage page 274 paragraph 3. here it says the disciples of john came to him saying rabbi he that was with thee beyond Jordan, to whom thou bearest witness, behold the same baptizes, and all men come to him. Through these words, Satan brought temptation upon John. Though John's mission seemed about to close, it was still possible for him to hinder the work of Christ. If he had sympathized with himself and expressed grief or disappointment at being superseded, he would have sown the seeds of dissension, would have encouraged envy and jealousy, and would seriously have impeded the progress of the gospel. End of quote. Why am I reading this? Because I want to compare it with what happened between the church and this brother Shyman. John could have interfered in Christ's field and torn it down to pieces if he chose by telling people not to follow Jesus or just criticizing Jesus' work because he had the influence to do so. It says in page 275 paragraph 4 of Conflict and Courage now, but the work of John was not sufficient to lay the foundation of the Christian church. When he had fulfilled his mission, another work was to be done, which his testimony could not accomplish. His disciples did not understand this. When they saw Christ coming in to take the work, they were jealous and dissatisfied. In this situation I'm reading between the church and Brother Shyman, it is that there was jealousy. Nothing Brother Shyman did was wrong. He was preaching the truth. People were coming out of sin into righteousness. They were practicing the truth. But what did they have against him? He followeth not us. He is reducing our influence. This is the spirit of people who are not of Christ. The moment you see yourself jealous of another person's ministry, the moment you see yourself jealous, envious, not because someone is teaching error, not because you see that people are running away from righteousness into sin, that you are speaking against the person, but because the person just has an influence and perhaps is not necessarily more than yours, but you just don't want anybody to come close. And I want to speak directly to churches. This is something that many churches do. Maybe a member in the church is also doing the work just like themselves and the person is having an influence. Many leaders in the church, what do you do? Many times they write seculars against the person. 
telling their members don't attend their program and then they start to criticize them disparage them they come to their field and do all kinds of things to bring them down and tear them to pieces this is what they were doing to brother shyman and he suffered because of it but the lord takes note of it and here i will continue what was said it says to the ministers who who, who does this who, who disparage other people's work it says continuing from spalding and megan page 194 paragraph 6 and downward no minister should dishonor his position as a christian worker by being severe critical and overbearing riding roughshod over men who god is using men whom he loves because they appreciate his grace and do not abuse his mercies those who desire to be dealt with in mercy and compassion must show mercy and compassion when dealing with their brethren it is acting the part of a thief and a robber to step into another man's field of labor and destroy his harvests. Paul, the greatest preacher among believers, did not desire to go down upon another man's ground. His desire was to preach the gospel to those who had never heard it. He writes, Yea, so have I striven to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation, but as it is written, to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. And of Christ it is written, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him, for that which had not been told them they shall see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. There is true honor among those who have the love of God in their hearts. Our object in working for the Master should be that His name may be glorified in the conversion of sinners. Those who labor to gain applause are not approved by God. The Lord expects His servants to work from a different motive. I'll stop the reading to break down what we are saying in this devotion. I really pray that we don't miss the message. If you have a ministry or a church or a personal ministry, just one person, and he goes out into the world preaching the gospel to people, and the aim of the work is the conversion of sinners, that is the work of Christ. And no one is to criticize the work that the person is doing. If you then see yourself as a minister of a church and this person who is doing this work belongs to your church, if you criticize the person's work and tell the person, don't do that, leave the work for us, then your spirit and your motive is very bitter and has it's, it's not, it's more than questionable. It is wicked and it is wrong. The work belongs to everybody. And as much as anybody is doing the work preaching Christ, like Paul, he didn't enter into another man's labor. He didn't come to people's churches and start creating problems there. He went out. He went to other fields where the word of God has not been heard, preaching to the people, like people may do now or like I'm doing, online, just putting the message there, not necessarily disturbing other people's field and disturbing other people's labors. He was doing the work and people were coming into righteousness and away from sin. If you find yourself criticizing that kind of work, then you have to ask yourself, what is my motive truly? Is it to bring people to me? Or to bring people to Christ. If you were really intending to bring the truth to people and to bring Christ to people, should you not say, This my joy is fulfilled, just like John the Baptist? Should you not say, I must decrease so that he and this ministry will increase? But because maybe your whole desire and your whole aim 
is to bring attention to yourself. That is why you find yourself unhappy about other people who are doing the work. And then you start to say things that are baseless against them, criticizing, oh, he didn't go to school. Did he have the theological training? Oh, John the Baptist, you could ask the same about him. And Jesus Christ, you could ask the same about him. Did they go to the schools? Of course not. And you could ask the same about the 12 disciples of Jesus. You could ask the same about Paul. And then others will say, oh, they are fanatics, they are extremists, they are this. Oh, why? Is that an argument? Points to the error that they are teaching. And I'll speak to members of churches. Do not follow men. The disciples of John the Baptist were attached to John. And John broke them off and said, no, it's not about me. I have already witnessed to you. Remember that I told you that he must increase. I must decrease. Follow the truth, not following people. That is just the crux of this message. And as far as someone is doing the work, encourage the work. Do not disparage it. Do not criticize it. We are all to work together. I'll continue the reading now from Spalding and Megan, page 195, now paragraph 2. It says, There are many who will spend and be spent to win souls to Christ. In obedience to the Great Commission, they will go forth to work for the Master. Under the ministration of angels, ordinary men will be moved by the Spirit of God to warn people in the highways and byways. Humble men who do not trust in their gifts, but who work in simplicity, trusting always in God, will share in the joy of the Savior as their persevering prayers bring souls to the cross. We will say to them, Go forth, brethren, do your best humbly and sincerely, and God will work with you. They should be strengthened and encouraged, and as fast as possible fitted for labor, that success may crown their efforts. They harmonize with unseen heavenly instrumentalities. They are workers together with God, and their brethren should bid them Godspeed and pray for them as they labor in Christ's name. No one is authorized to hinder such workers. They should be treated with great respect. No one should speak a disparaging word of them as in the rough places of the earth they sow the gospel seed. Christ will be with these humble workers. The angels of heaven will cooperate with them in their self-sacrificing efforts. By the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus will move upon hearts. God will work miracles in the conversion of sinners. Men and women will be gathered into church fellowship. Meeting houses will be built and institutions of learning established. Now, I want to pause and say this. There are some who think that the building of meeting houses should be for them alone. You are very, very mistaken. Like we just read now, by these ordinary men, meeting houses will be built and institutions of learning established. It is not the work of the church alone to build meeting houses, which are called churches. It is not the work of the church alone to build institutions like sanitariums and schools for the purpose of bringing people to Christ. We all are disciples of Christ, and like that man who John the Beloved reported to Jesus, as far as we are doing the work of God, no one is to speak lightly against such work. Jesus himself did not. Why will you? If the man who you are saying you are working for, oh minister, oh church, the man you are working for, Jesus Christ, did not stop another person from doing the work when he was around, who are you to stop another person? We are learning from John the Baptist that if we see other people increasing, allow them, support, encourage instead of disparaging, criticizing, and tearing down to pieces. I continue the reading. 
These workers are trees of the Lord's planting. In a peculiar sense, they bear fruits equal to the fruits borne by the apostles. They receive a reward in this life and a glorious reward awaits them in the future life. It is time that church members understood that everywhere there is a work to be done in the Lord's vineyard. No one is to wait for a regular process before they make any efforts. They should take up the work right where they are. There should be many at work in what are called irregular lines. If 100 laborers would step out of the regular lines and take up self-sacrificing work, such as Brother Shyman has done, souls would be won to the Lord, and the workers would understand by experience what it means to be laborers together with God. Can it be that our brethren think that their criticisms are the productions of the Holy Spirit? It will be found that those who are criticized have more to show for their efforts than those who criticize. The names of the humble are stamped on the books of heaven with the words, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. But opposite the name of critics stand the words, Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting you have had educational advantages but god has not imparted his gifts to you to be used in disparaging another man's work and this line is directed to those who feel that because they have the dds and the doctorate in divinity and professor of this and that you think that that is what qualifies you to do the work of god these words are directed to you if you criticize thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting and I make an exception for those who are speaking against error, not speaking against people. You can speak against error like, like Paul did, like John did. There were people who were teaching error in their day and they spoke up against it. But when you speak up against people, not because of the error they are teaching, but just because they follow it, not us. Just because they are not under our payroll. Just because they are not under our control. Just because they are not in our denomination. Not because they are teaching error. Then it is you who it is written for that thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. And then you are told now, you have had educational advantages, but God has not imparted his gifts to you to be used in disparaging another man's work. The Lord has not told you to enter into another man's field to rob him of the influence God has given him, to show how wise you are as contrasted with him. I pray that you may be converted. Unless you are changed in disposition and spirit, the gates of heaven will be closed against you. Hmm. Life's best things, simplicity, honesty, truthfulness, purity, unsolid integrity are not to be bought or sold. They are as free to the illiterate as to the educated, to the white man as to the black man, to the poor as well as the king upon his throne end of quote and i say amen and i hope that this sinks into my mind and the mind of any other one person it is very easy for me or you or any other minister or any other church to have this air of superiority around us and feel that when somebody else is doing the work they are taking away our shine they are taking away your your influence but it is not going to be like that if you were truly working for Christ. If you were truly intentional about bringing people into the knowledge of the truth and out of sin into righteousness, you would not feel one bit as if somebody has taken the work from you. You wouldn't feel it one bit. Why? Because right from time, your desire has been to bring people to the truth. 
and to see them come out of sin into righteousness if you were like that like john you will say all this my joy is fulfilled let your ministry continue to increase it must not be about me as far as you are doing the work if you can even do it better than me oh i will support continue as far as you are bringing people out of sin into righteousness may the lord bless you and in fact we can work together now to consolidate what i've just said i read from the book testimony to ministers page 251 paragraph 1 it says I am urged by the Spirit of God to counsel my brethren, to unite with one another in labor, love as brethren, be pitiful, be courteous, be true as steel to one another, but crush that feeling of superiority over your brother ministers which leads one to feel that he cannot link up with others in labor. No one man should feel that he must do the whole work alone. However experienced or well qualified he may be, there is need of other talents to unite with his. It is a mistake to think that one man's train of thought will accomplish the work for all hearts in a religious effort. Men of different minds are needed, men whose hearts are tenderly led out to win souls. Different methods of labor are really essential in sowing the seeds of truth and gathering in the harvest. It is often the case that men of the humblest ability will reach hearts that have been steeled against another man's labor. Much praying is essential. The soul's drawing nigh to God in communion means God's drawing nigh to the soul that is seeking Him. There needs to be greater devotion of heart and life in service to God. End of quote. And what is it that is our real problem? Selfishness. In page 252, paragraph 1 of the same testimonies to ministers, we are told the greatest work is before us. The peril which threatens our usefulness and which will prove our ruin, if not seen and overcome, is selfishness. Placing a higher estimate upon our plans, our opinions and our labors and moving independently of our brethren. Counsel together have been the words repeated by the angels again and again. Amen. And in the book This This Day with God, page 26, paragraph 2, talking about the various talents, we are told, it is not always the men apparently in possession of the greatest capabilities who have the most success in some lines of the work. The Lord uses so-called less capable men. They may not be eloquent, but if, if they are connected with God, He will richly bless them. Their rugged, solid words, coming directly from the heart, are of great value and are appreciated by the Lord. God desires a different mold placed on His work. Let men go forth to labor, trusting in the Lord, and He will go with them, convincing and converting souls. One worker may be a ready speaker, another a ready writer, another may have the gift of sincere, earnest, fervent prayer, another the gift of singing, another may have special power to explain the word of God with clearness. And each gift is to become a power for God, because He works with the laborer. To one, God gives a word of wisdom, to another, knowledge, to another, faith. But all are to work under the same head. The diversity of gifts leads to a diversity of operations. But it is the same God which worketh all in all. End of quote. That is from 1 Corinthians 12 verse 6. You see, it is the intention of God that through our ministry, through our instrumentality, men are to come to know him more. And this is the highest position any man can feel, the position of being a co-laborer with Christ. There is no greater position and there is no greater privilege and honor. But many times, Satan will tempt us with envy and jealousy, jealousy against Jesus. 
it may be the case that after you have preached Christ to someone, they indeed get closer to him. And it was for the and that's how it was for the disciples of John. And then suddenly those who once depended on you are now able to stand on their own and even teach you things that you didn't know before. Through your instrumentality, they are now dining with Christ, and as they study their Bibles and the spirit of prophecy, they are beholding the Lamb for themselves. Satan may now come to tempt you and make you feel like, how can the person I taught teach me? How can they be the ones explaining the word of God to me? Humble yourself. Let them increase and you decrease. Don't let Satan come to tempt you with the thought that these people are to be under your control and are not permitted to go any further than where you have gone or they are not permitted to know any more than you have known. Children who their parents have been instrumental in shaping their character and leading them to Christ, the, the children may now behold Christ in a clearer, clearer light than their parents. New converts now old in the faith may now be beholding Christ independently and church members who have benefited greatly from their pastors may be doing the same. What will you do when you are asked the same question that was asked to John? Look at that person you taught. He is now teaching the word of God. Look at this person. He's even saying something different from what you said or adding to what you have said. He's seeing things in a clearer light. What should we say? We say yes, let them increase while I decrease. We are to say this my joy is fulfilled. Like we have just seen in the readings I had I read earlier, you may be some hearts may be closed. For example, say some hearts may be closed against me, and somebody else they are open to the person. Let them increase so that that person may hear the truth. If they may not hear it from me, or they have closed their mind maybe through prejudice against myself, but there are people I may be able to reach that someone else cannot reach. Let everyone join together and do their work, so that the truth may be seen by everyone. I pray that God will remove that mindset of jealousy and envy and help us to have the glory of God as our sole aim. Help us to have the truth established in people's minds and the conversion of sinners as our greatest motive and desire so that when we see others doing it, we may say, this my joy is fulfilled and we will not feel envious or jealous. And we learn this lesson from John the Baptist and also from Jonathan and from many others who have lived before that we are pointing to Christ and Christ alone. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for the words of admonition given to us now. I pray, Father, please forgive every one of us who have ever involved ourselves in criticism of another man's labors. Not criticism of error, but criticism of the person because it followeth not us. I pray, Lord, that you will help us have no envy or jealousy anymore. Forgive us our sins and help us from henceforth to have Christ and Him and the truth as our sole desire and sole aim and the conversion of sinners as our main aim in doing the end ministry. And when we see others do the same thing, we may say our joy is fulfilled. Give us that spirit of self-abnegation and pray in Jesus' name. Turn your eyes on me Then I feel that what I've been called to do Is someone else I want you to see Will you love Jesus more When we go our separate ways 
Jesus. 